It seemed to Winterbourne that he had been in a manner presented. He got up and stepped slowly towards the young girl, throwing away his cigarette. This little boy and I have made an acquaintance, he said, with great civility. In Geneva, as he had been perfectly aware, a young man was not at liberty to speak to a young unmarried lady except under certain rarely occurring conditions. But here at Fevet, what conditions could be better than these? A pretty American girl coming and standing in front of you in a garden. This pretty American girl, however, on hearing Winterburn's observation, simply glanced at him. She then turned her head and looked over the parapet at the lake and the opposite mountains. He wondered whether he had gone too far, but he decided that he must advance farther rather than retreat. While he was thinking of something else to say, the young lady turned to the little boy again. I should like to know where you got that pole, she said. I bought it, responded Randolph. You don't mean to say you're going to take it to Italy. Yes, I'm going to take it to Italy, the child declared. The young girl glanced over the front of her dress and smoothed out a knot or two of ribbon. Then she rested her eyes upon the prospect again. Well, I guess you had better leave it somewhere, she said after a moment. Are you going to Italy? Winterbourne inquired in a tone of great respect. The young lady glanced at him again. Yes, sir, she replied, and she said nothing more. Are you, uh, going over the Simplon? Winterbourne pursued, a little embarrassed. I don't know, she said. I suppose it's some mountain. Randolph, what mountain are we going over? Going where? the child demanded. To Italy, Winterbourne explained. I don't know, said Randolph. I don't want to go to Italy. I want to go to America. Oh, Italy is a beautiful place, rejoined the young man. Can you get candy there? Randolph loudly inquired. I hope not, said his sister. I guess you have had enough candy, and Mother thinks so too. I haven't had any for ever so long, for a hundred weeks, cried the boy, still jumping about. The young lady inspected her flounces and smoothed her ribbons again, and Winterbourne presently risked an observation upon the beauty of the view. He was ceasing to be embarrassed, for he had begun to perceive that she was not in the least embarrassed herself. There had not been the slightest alteration in her charming complexion. She was evidently neither offended nor fluttered. If she looked another way when he spoke to her, and seemed not particularly to hear him, this was simply her habit, her manner. Yet, as he talked a little more, and pointed out some of the objects of interest in the view, with which she appeared quite unacquainted, she gradually gave him more of the benefit of her glance, and then he saw that this glance was perfectly direct and unshrinking. It was not, however, what would have been called an immodest glance, for the young girl's eyes were particularly honest and fresh. They were wonderfully pretty eyes, and indeed Winterbourne had not seen for a very long time anything prettier than his fair countrywoman's various features, her complexion, her nose, her ears, her teeth. He had a great relish for feminine beauty. He was addicted to observing and analyzing it. And as regards this young lady's face, he made several observations. It was not at all insipid, but it was not exactly expressive. 
and though it was eminently delicate, Winterburn mentally accused it, very forgivingly, of a want of finish. He thought it very possible that Master Randolph's sister was a coquette. He was sure she had a spirit of her own, but in her bright, sweet, superficial little visage there was no mockery, no irony. Before long it became obvious that she was much disposed towards conversation. She told him that they were going to Rome for the winter, she and her mother and Randolph. She asked him if he were a real American. She wouldn't have taken him for one. He seemed more like a German. This was said after a little hesitation, especially when he spoke. Winterbourne, laughing, answered that he had met Germans who spoke like Americans, but he had not, so far as he remembered, met an American who spoke like a German. Then he asked her if she would not be more comfortable in sitting upon the bench which he had just quitted.